Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. I am so excited to introduce this week's guest, Sam Stoll. Sam is the head of sales for GC Pay, and GC Pay is a SaaS platform that has changed how the construction industry does things. Under Sam's leadership, GC Pay is having tremendous growth as they help contractors around the world automate functions that have been inefficient, costly, and difficult to manage. Sam is the architect of a new sales system that's doubled the amount of sales in his first year and is on track to double that success again this year. He's been a sales leader for nearly 10 years and has had fantastic success stories everywhere he's gone. I love Sam's approach to sales leadership, and I'm really excited to dive into his story on how he's been so successful fueling the growth in an industry so set in old manual processes, but maybe more importantly, how he's done it so quickly and predictably. Sam, welcome to the show, man, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, that's a great introduction. And also, I did want to just start out by saying I, I've listened to every episode of this podcast some four, five, six, seven times. And I can honestly say it's done more for my career than any book I've read or any other podcast I've listened to. So uh, any new listeners out there, I would highly recommend to listen to this podcast. Dude, thank you. I appreciate that. I I love that we got a, a guy on the show that's listened to all 190 episodes or whatever it is now. That's, that's yeah. awesome. I, I, I'm grateful. This You're the first one of, of our guests that can say that. So I'm pumped. Thanks for the kind words. And let's dive into to your story, man. Um, why don't you start by telling us about GC Pay just at a high level and what you guys do for your customers? You bet. So yes, we're a SaaS platform. We sell into the construction industry. We sell to commercial general contractors and multifamily developers. And with our software, it automates the subcontractor pay at process. And so subs have to invoice their general contractors for work they do. And they also have to submit lien waivers and compliance. So we automate that process for them uh, with our software. And we also integrate into several ERP systems. And so we're, like I say, we're uh, reaching out to the financial departments of the general contractors and multifamily developers. Cool. And you've been doing that. You're going on your second year here. You had a killer first year and, and now you're in year two, solving a really important problem. I can't tell you how many people have told me they've had frustration with the things you talked about related to the construction process. So that's really cool. Yeah, you're right. I, I did want to say you are right. Uh, just on statistics that we've ran and other stats that we've looked at, about 80% of the construction industry is still doing things manually and not using software. 80%. Wow. So like literally very disruptive what you're doing right now. Well, construction industry is slow to adopt technology, but it is picking up and I believe it'll continue to pick up every year just going forward. But it's a great, great opportunity, a great spot to be in. And I, I'll, uh, you know, I've really found a, a love to selling into the construction industry. So I click with the people that are in construction. Cool. Uh, so it's a really good niche for me. Cool. So I love asking this uh, uh, to everyone that joins. I love hearing just a high level of your story. How, 
Uh, how'd you get started in sales, man? I, 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 uh, I'm looking for still one of those people that say I wanted to grow up being in sales. I think it's happened once or twice, but no one has ever told me really, Rob, I grew up expecting to be a salesperson. How, how'd you get started? Well, yes, great uh, question. So I, when I was a kid, I didn't know that I wanted to be in sales, but I knew that I wanted to have a good uh, income, you know, high income. And I grew up really poor. So when I'm saying poor, I'm talking about no food poor. So wow, I told myself when I was a kid, I'll work as hard as I need to and go, go to school for as long as I need to, to never have that kind of life again. Um, so I put myself through college, got my bachelor's degree, and I actually had to wait tables and bartend while I was in college because that made more money than I could make as like an hourly rate wage or working somewhere with a salary. I could make more money bartending at the time. So I did that to put myself through college. And I remember when I graduated with my bachelor's, I couldn't find a job anywhere because I didn't have experience other than waiting tables and bartending. So uh, I went on and got my master's. And then when I got my master's and finished with that, I still couldn't get a job. Um, okay. And so, but I knew that I wanted to be in, at that point, I knew I wanted to be in sales because I'd met several people in sales and I knew that I could never be the kind of person that could just have a salary and not have the opportunity to make more money if I, you know, based on my performance. So I knew sales was a thing for me. So I remember uh, I was having a hard time finding anywhere that would hire me and I got hired on selling oil and gas. So oil okay. and gas, uh, the basically selling uh, interest in oil and gas wells. And it was just like that movie, um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, or also, you know, it was like that movie Boiler Room. Yeah. So I remember my sales manager, they would take my chair away from me and make me stand up all day. Because uh, he told me, he goes, your voice, you don't have any energy in your voice. You need more energy. You're too monotone. So he'd take my chair away and I had to stand up all day. Oh, and then I remember he, he, it was just like the, the movie Boiler Room. He threw his uh, car keys on my desk and he was driving a M5 BMW, I remember. Okay. And he goes, he goes, do you want to drive this car? And I'm like, sure, I'd like to do it. And he goes, well, you'll never drive it. You want to know why? Because you're horrible at sales. And, what? uh, yeah. So that was my introduction, but it was actually, you know, a great way for me to cut my teeth because when you would call in to the, you know, this industry, um, these people were getting called left and right. So by the time you got them on the phone, they were already mad. And so when I left that industry and started selling software, I'm like, this is easy because nobody cusses you out when you call. <laughs> you know? So that's a great story, man. I, I I would like to think the days of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and the Boiler Room are behind us, but I don't know if they ever will be. So, yeah, probably not. I mean, there'll probably already always be something like that, especially in like in the oil and gas when you're selling into that. But it was a great way for me to cut my teeth. I mean, I look back on it, and, and um, it made me not be afraid to dial the phone and pick up and start dialing. And so I I've made thousands and thousands and thousands of cold calls, but I honestly really believe in cold calling. I mean, that is, you know, I've read people say cold calling is dead, not in my opinion. I mean, in my opinion, I believe cold calling is, you know, I don't think it'll ever die. I think um, if you can get really good at cold calling, it's going to uncover so many opportunities on leads and sales opportunities that you can get, of course, you need marketing. You know, that's just as important, but cold calling and getting in front of the prospect before the competitor does. You know, whenever I came to GC Pay, they were making about five dollars a day. So the first thing I did was implement cold call. And I set a parameter where all the account executives need to make $30 a day and the SDRs need to make $50 a day. And whenever I first got to GC Pay, we were averaging about four to five meetings a month as a sales team. Uh, when it comes to, you know, prospect meetings. And once we implemented cold calling and we've done, a, you know, I've had to change everything uh, on the sales process and we've did a lot of things, uh, introduced pilots. I mean, we've, we've changed everything from start to finish. Uh, but 
now with a cold calling, when I look at uh, how many deals we bring in versus our website, we bring in just as many deals uh, through cold calling as we do marketing. And now we average about 50, we average about 50 prospect meetings a week now. Up from four? From four a month. Wow. Four a month to 50 a week. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. So let's talk about that. I love your story. This, this is like a, like a ridiculous turnaround story. Um, you join a team, you put your thumbprint on it in a really bold way with an exclamation mark and large font, all of that, right? Uh, you had to build the sales process, the pricing models, the coaching plan, the tech stack, you know, like how you do pilots, all of that stuff. You had to do all of it. But not only did you do it, but you were able to see results pretty quickly um, in, in a pretty short amount of time, you had things growing with a kind of predictability that the business had never had. When you're doing something like that, how do you get started that? Like, where did you start when you're looking to grow sales? They bring you in to try and throw gas on a small fire that's burning. Where do you start when you come into something like that? Well, great question. Uh... When I came in, first thing I did was implement cold call. And as soon as I saw they were making $5 a day, I mean, I knew we had to get our activity up. Um, but, you know, it's when you come in and you start changing everything, uh, you definitely, there's some challenges that you have to get the sales reps to buy in. You got to get your team to buy in because you can just, you can say and preach and coach and everything you want to about what needs to happen. But if they don't buy into it and if they don't believe in it, they're not going to do it. All right. I want to talk about that. This is a big one. I think you're right. I think buy-in, I like your word buy-in. You, you had to come in and get people to say, yes, I choose to do more than we're doing. Um, how does a leader get the members of their team to, to buy in? Because I think that that's a really big challenge. I, I think that getting people to enroll or sign up or have buy-in or believe, whatever word you want to use in that, in that blank, I think that's, that's something that's fun to talk about and it's, it's really important to talk about, but I think that it's harder to achieve, but you've done that. How did you get people to realize, you know, in your case, you started with activities and then you layered stuff on top of that. How do you give, how do you give people reasons to believe or, or how do you get them to believe? How did you do that? Sure. Um, well, when I first got, you know, the GC pay, the, the first thing I also wanted to work on was mindset. There was a lot of negativity and I wanted to change that and have a positive culture. And so we really needed to get everybody to buy into the product, first of all. Um, a lot of, you know, I went around to all the reps and interviewed them and, you know, just asking questions about why they're not hitting their quota. So when I first got to GC pay, we had one person hitting their quota, but the rest of the team was not. Okay. And so I need to figure out, okay, I want to ask them all questions about what's their opinion on why they weren't hitting. Okay. And so uh, they all went around and they all talked about marketing. They needed more marketing. And then they talked about how the product, but interesting thing, none of them said, uh, it's me. I need to work on my sales process and I need to make more calls and I need to get my activity up. No, none of them did that, which is fine because that's not the normal reaction is to say is to not put it on yourself and put it on other people. Right. So one of the things I've really tried to instill is really having ownership. One mm. of the books I'm reading right now, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willing. Great, Carol. Great book. Love that book. Um, and it really talks about extreme ownership and taking responsibility for everything that you, uh, you know, if you're not hitting your numbers, the first thing you need to do is look inward on what can you improve on. And I, I take extreme ownership on everything I try to. So, I mean, if one of my sales reps is not hitting their numbers, it's, it's on me, it's not on them. And so uh, the first thing I did to get them to buy in though is, really try to be authentic and genuine. And really, I honestly do care about my, my team, my sales reps. I work with them and work with them and work with them. And I show them everything that they need to do in the sales process. 
and but I believe they've now understood. You know, it took. I started in March. By July, we started taking off, and we got. I remember we got nine closes in July, and so we started uh, really seeing some results. We changed. We changed a lot of things on our pricing and pilots, but also that sales process was already there with the activity. And so we started really focusing on the prospects pain points and doing discovery calls. And when I first got to GCPay, they were doing everything on one meeting. And so we separated that out. Now we do discovery calls, demos, pricing calls. But to really get them to buy in, the first thing you, you know, the sales team can tell if you don't know what you're talking about. They can sense that. So when I was in the individual sales, I was always at the top. I was always ranked one, two, or three everywhere I worked. So I always exceeded my quota. There was never a time that I didn't exceed quota. And my goal always was not to exceed it, but to double and triple it. I love it. So I always did it. And when I came in, I showed them everything they need to do because I, when I was in individual sales, I was, you know, one of the top performers, but not always do top performers make great managers, but uh, I have a passion for coaching. And so I also have a passion for putting the, I want, there's nothing better than when you have a sales rep that's not performing and you can help them turn that around and they start exceeding their quota. Mm. I get more joy off of that than anything I could do for myself personally. So, so Sam, I want to sit in this one for a minute because I think this is a big deal. I, I, the reason is I see a lot of people that want to be sales leaders that actually haven't sold. And I've always kind of scratched my head on that one. And I know there's a lot of organizations that are trying to do that. They're hiring for leadership rather than uh, understanding of, of the sales side. But, but you said something that really got my attention. I, I wrote down on my notes. I'm already almost done with my first page of notes, which is crazy. It's going how fast it is. Um, showing versus telling. You didn't tell them what to do. You're showing them what to do. This idea of, of showing, like how important was showing? And I can think of a lot of reasons that might be like earning trust. Uh, there's trust in your competence. Um, it, it's so you're not a blowhard. Um, you're asking them to do things differently. And so you're a, you're a doer, not a talker. Um, I have strong feelings about being a big doer instead of a, of a big talker. How important was this showing? Like how intentional was showing versus just telling? Well, there's nothing worse than if you have a sales manager that is telling you what to do and, but they don't know how to do it themselves. And the sales team knows that. I mean, you have to build credibility with your sales team, just like you do with your prospects. And you have to connect with your sales team, just like you do with your prospects. And you have to honestly, truly care about them and put them before yourself. And so that was the first thing that I really wanted to get across to them when I started here is that I will help them no matter what on anything. My whole, my goal, I never had that sales mentor when I was coming up in my sales career. So I want to be that mentor and I want to help them grow. And so with the showing them everything they need to do, the first thing I had to do was build credibility because I could show them, but if I, they don't believe that I know what I'm talking about, they're not going to listen to me. So really, um, I focus on all the little things in sales. And if you focus on all the little things, the numbers are going to come. Uh, I'm not the kind of manager that I have one-on-ones and it's all about hitting your number and your quota. I don't, I focus on all the little things. And so I, you know, I, since I've made thousands of cold calls, I can show them exactly what we need to do on cold calls. Um, since I've done thousands of demos, I can show them what we need to do on the discovery calls, the demos, the pricing calls. Um, and it goes so much farther than like one thing when you show them, I knew that I needed to come in and learn our product like the back of my hand. So I want to know, not only be able to demo our product, but I want to be able to answer all questions that the prospect may have. So I can address those during the call, because there's, if you don't answer their questions they have during the demo, then it extends the sales cycle, or it could cause you not to get the close. 
So I wanted to not only be able to demo, but to be able to answer all questions. And so I made a point to become an expert on our products. And uh, when I first got to GCPay, the bigger prospects uh, that sales reps uh, were using my boss to give demos and they weren't doing the demos themselves. So I also really worked with the sales team on learning the product and being able to answer all questions themselves and become experts themselves on the product. Mm. And so one, when I uh, became, I, and I'm still working on becoming an expert. I mean, my boss, I, I still ask him questions all the time because he knows the product. I mean, he's been with the company for 20 years, so he knows the, everything about everything. But I'm always picking his brain on, you know, if, if I don't know the answer to something, I make sure I find out. And so I try to instill that same thing in our, our sales team, but that's also helped me show them and build credibility because they knew that they could come to me and start asking me questions about the product and I would know the answers and I could help them on their demos. If they didn't know the answer to something, I could jump in and, you know, answer those questions. And then, you know, but my goal is, is to all get them to the point where they don't need me anymore on their, on their meetings. And there are several sales reps on the team where they've gotten to that point. They don't need me anymore. And so that's my goal everywhere. So when I say show me and I'm showing them everything, I'm not, I'm not wanting to create a situation where they're depending on me for, and they're not learning themselves. I want to get them to the point where they don't even need me anymore. And so, you know, the other thing we really focus on is really connecting with the prospect. And our goal is to get the prospect talking more during the discovery calls and demos than we talk. And so I'm not only working with them on the product, but really working on getting them, you know, learning how to connect with the prospects, learning what questions to ask them, and reading that body language of the prospect, listening to their voice. It's more than just asking questions. I mean, you can, I love, but we do all our meetings over Zoom. So I'm, the more you know your product, the less you have to focus on the product whenever you're given a demo, the more you can focus on the prospect. Yeah, I love it. You just gave us a long list of things that you were showing. And, and I, I want to sit in this still. I'm not ready to move out of this yet, Sam, because I think this is a really big idea. I like one of the things you mentioned. You said you never had that mentor, that sales mentor. And a lot of sales leaders that work with me tell me the same thing. Like, I'm thinking of one in particular, he's a terrific sales leader, but he's almost paranoid because he never had someone show him. He had to figure it out all on his own. He doesn't want anybody to have to go through that. It's almost like this level of paranoia that I don't want to be the sales leadership version of a deadbeat dad, right? Mm -hmm. And um, before we talk about a little more about how you do that more, because you gave me some good feedback here. Since you never had the mentor, and I think a lot of people will relate to you on that. How did you go about building such great sales leadership skills? Because you have a pretty, pretty solid, like well thought out approach to how you lead. And it's clearly working really well. And you're obviously very confident in your capabilities. How did you go about creating those? Because I can tell you not every sales leader that I work with has that same level of confidence. Well, um, you know, and this isn't just to, to I guess, uh, kiss up to you, Rob. This is uh, the honest truth. It's uh, from listening to this podcast. I've learned so many things. Awesome. Um, Kevin Dorsey. I mean, I listened to that podcast over and over. Larry Long. Episode. Yep. Um, you know, Larry Levine. I read Selling from the Heart. It's one of the greatest books. So you know, just reading books and listening to podcasts and listening to the leaders that have come before me and that have excelled and picking up on things they do. And then there's, there's, you know, there's not a, when you, there, you really need to connect with the prospects. You need to be able to take ownership on everything that you do as a sales leader. And you need to be able to show them everything they need to do in the process and not just talk about it. And so I knew as a leader, I need to focus on taking that ownership, continuing to show them and get them to the point that they can now exceed their quota. 
So there's, there's uh, some sales reps where I continue to work with them for six or seven months. And then a light bulb goes off and everybody learns differently. So you have to figure out how does this person learn? Once you find that out, now you can start really exceeding the or accelerating the timeline. And I believe everybody wants to do a good job. There's no sales rep that comes in and says, I don't want to hit my quota. 100%. They all want to be able to hit their quota and exceed. But they need to be shown how to do that. It's not just you need to hit this number. You have to show them. And you also have to have the patience to continue to teach them and really invest in them that you are going to be there for them. And even if they have a quarter, they don't hit those numbers, it's all right because we're gonna be continue to improve. I, last thing I wanna do as a sales leader is manage by fear. Mm -hmm. Do not wanna do that whatsoever. So I want to manage by our lead, by the sales reps knowing that I've got their back. Um, and I'm going to help them no matter what. So that's, that's my main goal. And that's what I always try to keep in my mind is that's every day I'm thinking about what can I do personally to get better as a leader. So I start out every single morning. I normally start working at, at six or six 30 in the morning. And the first, what I do is I listen to podcasts for about two hours while I'm getting my day ready on sales leaders. And then, you know, the, uh, there's so many great examples that you have on your podcast that things that I've taken from that and implemented on my own team. So Sam, this is so cool for me. And I agree with everybody you said, Kevin Dorsey, Katie is awesome. Larry Levine, Larry Long, there's so many. And, and you're one of them. You're, what you're doing right now is going to help other people that are listening to the show as well. But, but this is a really important, something that you hit on that I want to like, amplify for a minute if we can and that's not in the, very few companies actually invest in the development of the leader very few okay companies should do more to help fuel the growth of a sales leader they should uh, but they usually don't and you just gave some really good insights on ways that you can be intentionally improving you have any thoughts you got forty thousand sales leaders listening to you right now any advice to your colleagues of these sales leaders that want to have good connection with their reps and they want to be a mentor to the reps and they want to create life-changing years for those people that they lead. And just like reps, they don't want to miss their quota. Leaders don't want to be shitty managers. They don't want to be, they don't want to be a bad leader. They, they took the job because they want to make a difference. Any advice on like how important it is to prioritize your own development? It, can you just give a little thought on, on why that's something that they should prioritize if they're not already? Great question. I think like we, you always talk about on your podcast, Rob, there's a difference between a sales manager and a sales leader. Yep. There's a difference between a sales rep and a sales professional. So I wanna be a sales leader. So the first thing you have to have is mindset. First thing. If you don't have that mindset, nothing else is going to happen. And when I say mindset, I say, what I'm talking about is you have to have a positive frame of mind and you have to instill that positive frame of mind in your sales team. You have to make the sales team want to come to work every single day and enjoy what they're doing. You know, if you're asking somebody to pick up the phone and make $60, $70 a day, that can be a grind. So yep. you, you have to make it a situation where they love coming to work. And I've also created a situation where they all want to help each other. Everybody I hire, I try to hire people that want to help other people. So my team is also coaching each other. It's not just me coaching them. They're helping each other and they coach each other. But how, you know, back to your question on how do you uh, help a sales leader want to be uh, better is that every single day, listen to podcasts. Every single day, read books. There's so many great books out there. Educate yourself, but um, you know, listen to other people that are out there making it happen, that are exceeding quota, and pick up on what they're doing. And then analyze what you are doing. 
and then take extreme ownership on if your team's not hitting their numbers, it's on you. It's not on anybody else. And whenever you have a rep struggling, you have to look at your own self. What am I doing wrong as a manager that I'm not connecting with this rep to help them get where they need to be? Because if you don't connecting with them to help them where they need to get to be, it's on you. It's not on them. And my team knows that. So they know I'm not putting it on them. It's on me. And Love that. that has really helped me more than, you know, a lot of different things is when I first started, when I first got into management, if a rep wasn't hitting his numbers, I put it all on the rep. And once I changed that and I put it all on myself, that's when the reps started exceeding their quota because they're not worried about, uh, oh, if I don't hit my number this quarter, I'm going to be written up. You know, they're not worried about that. They all have to perform and they all have to hit their numbers, of course, but I don't want them thinking that way. I want them thinking, I'm here to get it better. I'm here to learn and I'm here to help others and I'm here to get like all my reps uh one thing i really try to instill on in them is that if they um you know i want to create career paths for them too so i'm constantly trying to trade create career paths so they can move up in their career so one thing i always you know ask them what's what's your goals what are you trying to get to do you want to be a manager one day do you want to be um, you know, a trainer, sales trainer, what's your goals? And I find that out and I, then I help them get to get there. So I think as a sales leader, you have to really learn to connect with your reps, just like you do your prospects. What a great story. What a great story. I love that advice you gave on how to take charge of your own development as a sales leader. Cause if you wait, you're probably not going to get it. And then you're going to have negative experiences. And I, I love this. So I, I can't believe we're down to our last like 15 minutes or so. It's, it's nuts how fast this goes. I love your story. And I love how open you are with what you've done. You mentioned early on that coaching was your tool to get buy-in. Okay. I want to sit in coaching for a minute. Lots, lots of our episodes talk about coaching. Uh, there's lots of different approaches to coaching. I'd love to dive in a little bit to your definition of coaching and, and why coaching was your mechanism for getting buy-in because I just want to frame it up for a second for all, all of our listeners again. Like you came in and you asked for some pretty radical changes really like pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And, but you did it in a way where you were able to get this buy-in and one of your vehicles was coaching. How did how do you do coaching so it, it, it's something that creates buy-in rather than instruction? Well, first thing I like to do is I want to get to know my sales rep. Okay. I want to get to know who they are. What's important to them? What drives them? And I also want to find out their goals. And then I like to find out a little bit about their personal life, too. Uh, just so I, you know, I share stuff with them and they share stuff with me. So I'm, I'm an open book to them. And I, that's the first thing I do is I want to understand who they are as a person. And then, um, once we get that established, then the next step is let's look at, uh, your process. And so we start talking about discovery calls and let's start, we work on their product knowledge and some of my coaching sessions, because I've tried to learn the product and know it like the back of my hand, some of our coaching sessions, we'll, uh, we'll do like a question and answer, and it'll just be visualization. I'll ask them 70 different project, uh, questions about our product in 30 <laughs> minutes, and they'll, they'll give me all the answers. And we're doing it all visually without looking at anything. Um, you know, we'll also... Uh, look at, uh, we'll focus on pain point questions. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of spin selling. So, okay. you know, we'll, we'll use some of the spin selling questions. Uh, we'll do a lot of role playing, but you know, as far as really getting that buy-in, it's being authentic with them. It's, uh, you know, they'll, 
I'll be on their discovery calls. I'll be on their demos. I'll be on their pricing calls. After the call, you know, we'll we'll get on the Zoom together and we'll kind of just go over like, how'd you think that call went? And I never tell them, this is what you should do. I always say, what do you think you should do to improve? Why do you do that? Tell me why you do that. I think that's really insightful. What is it that led you to taking that approach? Because if you are constantly telling this is what you should do, this is what you should do, and not asking them what they think is going to help and what their opinion is to get better and what they think they should have done on that call, then all you're going to be doing is barking orders at them. So get them to tell you what they think they should have done. And when they tell you that, it could be 100% spot on. But if there's a couple things that, you know, you need to tweak, basically, then I'll just come back and say, you're right. I think I agree with you there. But I also think, what do you think about doing it this way? And so, um, but I'm always asking for our feedback. Like in our sales meetings, I want everybody talking. So I don't want to be the one leading the sales meeting. I want them to lead it. So whenever our we have sales meetings, they're all talking more than I'm talking. And they're all learning from each other more than they're learning from me. So that's the culture I wanted to create is that they're not just learning from me, they're learning from everybody on the team. And I learn from them also. So it's not a situation where I'm leading the sales meeting and I'm doing 90% of the talking, I want to do like 10% of the talking and 90% of the talking comes from them on what they think we need to do to improve. This is awesome. I want to, I have two more things that I hope I, I, we can cover in the 10 minutes we got left. Okay. <laughs> the first, it's a cool enough topic that I don't want to just breeze over it. I want to give you a chance to like address it because I feel energy around it when you talk about it, if that's okay. I'm calling it show me leadership. Like there's all kinds of leadership styles, but I think you've invented something here, man, that I'm going to call show me leadership. Almost like the state of Missouri, the show me state, right? And uh, if we are to call like what you do, show me leadership, any tips you might give to our listeners if they want to become a, a better show me leader rather than a different kind of leader? I would say you need to be an expert on your product. Okay. Whatever you're selling, know it like the back of your hand. The industry you're selling into, you need to be an expert on that. Your competitors, you need to know your competitors so well that you could go sell their product for them. Um, that's insightful, by the way, to say it like that, really insightful. I like that. <laughs> I try to make sure I know my competitors as well as I know GC pay as much as I can. Um, you know, also you need to know the sales process, like the back of your hand. So, uh, to be able to become a show me leader, you can't just sit back on the bleachers while they're playing football and bark orders at them. You have to be in the trenches with them and you have to show them that you're willing to do everything that they are. And, you're, that you, and also you're willing to uh, have their back in all situations. So, you know, you had the founder of uh, Seamless on here on one of your yeah. pockets. Brand we use Seamless. Okay. So, Personally, myself, I've added 15,000 contacts in the HubSpot to help my sales reps build out their territory. So doing stuff like that, um, they know that I am there to help them get where they need to be. And having that credibility that if I'm on their calls, I want to get them to the point where they don't even need me. But if I do need to step in, they know that I'm going to help them close that deal. And that they're not worried, uh, you know, I've had sales managers in the past where, you know, you didn't want that. So they know that they can rely on me to get that deal closed if they need me. 
all good things on being a show me leader. If, if they want to be a show me leader, what are some things that you might encourage them to, to like look closely at stop doing? Like you just gave us some great things to do. What about the flip side? Are there things that you've tried hard not to do so you can be a good show me leader? Um, I, when I, I'm a completely different leader slash manager than I was when I first started. I'm not even the same person. I, if I met that person 10 years ago, I wouldn't even know who they are. I feel the same way about myself. <laughs> so I look back on when I first started and things that I did that I shouldn't have done. And I managed by the numbers back then. I managed by, okay, we got this number. And every time I talked to my reps, it was just about hitting that number. And also I managed by fear that if you didn't hit your quota, you know, you were going to be in trouble. Uh, you're, you know, and if you did it two quarters in a row, you knew that it was uh, going to not be a good spot for you, but I don't, that is completely the wrong way to manage. And so I've learned that. And now I don't, I'm a completely opposite person. And so when I talk about uh, showing them, I'm a show me leader, but I also try to have the mindset that I want them to also show me. So for example, whenever we have our one-on-ones or our sales meetings, if somebody has a great idea, we run with that. So it's not just me, again, talking. It's, and I didn't used to be that way. It used to be me doing all the talking. And that's not the right way to be a leader. You need to have everybody engaged and helping each other and everybody coming up with ideas of what we can do as a sales team to improve. When you, when you have that approach, everybody is just as important as everybody else. And they feel a, a true part of the team. And so that's what I've really tried to in, implement and install. And so far, it's been working. Yeah, I'd say your success is speaking for itself. So I love that. You gave a whole bunch of things to, to do to be a show me leader. But I really like the things you talked about. Um, Stop spreadsheet leadership. I, I agree. I think activity management has its place, but that's not what you're talking about. I love getting away from fear-based leadership. And I really like the idea of getting yourself off the pedestal where you're the know-it-all and you, you engage all those around you. What Those three things to stop doing, in my mind, are about as powerful as the things you said to start doing, right? And uh, so, so thank you. Kudos on, on that as well. Last thing that I want to ask you, and then we'll wrap this way up. We always do. Um, clearly, you've done a good job getting by. Clearly. Clearly, you've been able to come in and, and say, we're going to radically change things. But you did it in a way that wasn't too scary or too threatening where you scared them out, right? Um, they stayed and they thrived. And now they probably will do anything you ever ask. I'll probably run through a wall for you. <laughs> Any thoughts about how you build trust and or connection? You brought that up several times. You got to connect with your people. You said that several times early on. Any advice on, because that's a that's something that people like to talk about. Doing it's totally different. Any any suggestions to, again, 40,000 listeners, here's a couple things that helped you build trust and or connection with the people that you had the opportunity to lead. I would say the number one thing you have to do is put the sales team before yourself. Okay. Um, if it comes like hypothetically, if it was a situation where there are raises, but not enough for everybody to go around, sales team is going to get a raise before me every time. Um, if the second thing I would say is don't give up on your sales rep continue to work with them and find out what really drives them and understand who they are. Um, they're not going to respond to you unless you invest in them. And when I say invest in them, get to like, seriously, get to know who they are. And if there's a situation where they need you, you're there no matter what. I tell my reps, if you need something on a Saturday night, let me know. You know, so I'm always available. And um, the third thing is 
I want to find out what I can do to help them in their career. Love I want to find out their goals. So if their goals are to be a sales manager one day, I'm going to help them get there. And I'm going to start coaching them now like they already are a sales manager. So, you know, whatever their goal is to become on their next career, I always tell them, let's go ahead and start acting like you have that job now. And let's start working towards it. So, you know, I never had that as a sales mentor. Nobody ever really took the time to invest in me and find out what uh, my goals were, but then also help me get there. Okay, man, this is my, this is money. What a great conversation. Kudos to you. Uh, I, I love that you've taken such intentional uh, work on your leadership career. You didn't just get a promotion and then just write it out. Nah, man, you are actively working to be a high impact, like legendary elite level leader and you're doing it. And you're not just hitting some numbers along the way. You're changing the lives of the people that you lead. And it's, it's awesome. I can't wait to wrap this up. I, I want to finish the way I finished with so many of our episodes. I, I want to take you through the rapid fire three questions. You ready? Ready. Okay, man. Biggest sales leadership you're seeing right now, and how do you beat it? Sorry, can you repeat that one more time? Biggest sales leadership challenge that you see, and any suggestions on how to beat it? Okay, yes. Um, sales leadership challenge, I would say, if you look at the stats, I mean, the statistically, uh, normally have about 50% of your sales team hitting quota. So, always hear, what can I do to motivate my sales reps? What can I do to get them to perform? Um, what can I do to where I can get more of my team hitting or exceeding quota? So that I would say is the biggest challenge is what, you know, everybody has that where they wanna get their team performing, they wanna to get uh, to where they're also hitting their numbers, but what can I do to get my reps to really want to uh, perform like I want them to perform, right? And so I think that's the biggest challenge. And the way you combat that again is investing in them and coaching them, but continue to coach them and take a real interest in their life and help them get to where they want to go. Love it. Thank you. Second question. Number two, when you are building a team, when you're adding to the team, is there an interview question or topic that's been particularly helpful to you? Something that might be your go-to? And if so, what are you looking for when you leverage that? Well, yeah, one of the great questions, uh, at least I, I like to think it uh, really helps in the interview is I ask a situation where if you have a teammate, and they're not hitting their numbers, what are you gonna to do to help them? I like to ask that question. I like I'm looking for people that wanna help other people. I'm not, I don't want somebody that wants to be on an island by themselves. No lone and wolves, I love it. My team, and they say it all the time, they all get along and they all have each other's backs and they all help each other. They do one-on-one -on -one sessions with each other without me even knowing it helping each other. When I, when I hire somebody new, my sales team helps train them and they do it voluntarily without me even having to ask them. They'll reach out to them and say, hey, you want me to teach you how to do this or that or that? So they're always helping each other. And that's the kind of environment and culture that I wanted to create, but everybody's bought into that because I try to look for people that have that kind of mindset. Dude, this is so fun for me, man. I'm telling you, Sam, I'm, I am enjoying this conversation. I, I love your way of thinking. Let, let's go to the last one, man. Leaders are readers. And I don't care if you're reading or if you're doing audibles. And I also don't care if it's bite-sized chunks like blogs or podcasts because the world's changed a lot. Is there anything that you'd recommend that our listeners uh, consume, like something that's been helpful to you that you'd make sure that, that uh, you encourage them to check out? Well, extreme ownership. Uh, that, is, that, that changed my life, honestly. Um, but have you ever heard of, uh, Admiral McRaven? Make your bed. Yeah. Make your bed. Love that one, man. That's such a great, like I endorse it for you to bring it up. Tells me even more great things. 
people haven't read that book, those 10 lessons in life are amazing lessons in life, man. The speech that he gives at the University of Texas yep. is one of the best speeches I've ever heard in my life. And so when I heard that speech, I, 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 got, I got to find out more about this guy. So that's also another great book. Love it. All right, brother, our time is up. What went fast, even faster than I told you it would go? How, how do people get more of you? If they want to connect, they want to connect to Sam and, and, and they want to pick your brain or kick some ideas around or, or just follow what you're doing. How, how do they connect to you? How do they get more of you? How do they pick up what you're putting down? Well, I'm on LinkedIn uh, under Sam Stoll. Um, also, you can always email me at sam.stoll at gcpay.com. Um, and so, but if you, you know, either do that or LinkedIn would be the best two ways to, to reach me. Love it. Any final thoughts to our 40,000 listeners before we sign off? Uh, I would just say that I, you know, I definitely appreciate this opportunity. I'm going to continue to listen to the podcast. I'm going to continue every single day to try to get better and improve. And so, you know, personally, I'm always analyzing myself on what I need to work on. And I'm going to continue doing that. And I believe, uh, you know, reading these books and listening to podcasts is going to help me get there. All right. His name is Sam Stoll. He is bringing show me leadership. Uh, to his team with ridiculously effective success. And he shared a blueprint with us on how we can make how we lead uh, a massive competitive advantage. So Sam, so appreciative that you would share your story with us. So appreciative that you would share some insights with so many leaders all around the world. So happy for your success. I wish you nothing but ongoing continued success. And as I say to everyone, my friend, happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, our job as sales leaders is hard, really hard, and there aren't a lot of resources for sales leaders to turn to. The fact is most companies spend millions of dollars in sales training, sales tools, sales process, and sales people but they spend nothing for sales leadership process, sales leadership training, and, and the only sales leadership tools are usually rolled up dashboards. And while it's true that companies should do more to develop the leaders on the team, the fact is they don't most of the time. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United. I'm proud to bring you the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets and resources. And whether you're a new sales leader that's been leading team for, whether a new sales leader or one that's been leading team for years, you're going to find all kinds of tools to help you create more impact for those you lead faster. Right now, you can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You're going to find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts in three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic. But you're also going to find some of my other very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, uh, sales meetings that are ready to go, uh, leadership and one-on-one -on -one coaching systems much, much more. You're going to find all the things that you need to put together a sales leadership system that works for you. New material comes every single week. And so while people come because of the depth of the resources, they stay because I bring two or three or four new things every single week. So you get something to help you add to what you're already doing, but you get other things to help you stay relevant and current. So don't try to reinvent sales leadership. Invest in yourself. You're worth it. If there's one thing you learned from this uh, conversation with Sam today, you need to take charge of your own sales leadership journey. So tap into the proven training and techniques used by some of the world's most successful sales leaders and head over to Sales Leadership United today. Now, I also want to thank you, our listeners. Uh, more than 40,000 people around the world download the show each month. It just keeps growing faster and faster. I'm pumped. I'm appreciative. I'm grateful. There are some of you like Sam that have told me you've listened to every single episode. Uh, I love hearing from you. Continue to reach out to me. Sometimes you ask me, what can I do to support? The answer is simple. Sign up for Sales Leadership United, okay? Um, you keep listening and downloading, and I'll keep bringing killer guests to you each week. I got the next four or five that are fantastic. Now, listen, I love this conversation with Sam. He has the distinction of being the only guest I've ever brought on who has also listened to every single episode. And his story is a good one. I love his turnaround story. He took a team that had one person on that was hitting goal and everybody else wasn't. I think it was one out of 10 at the time. He's grown the team. 
he's he now has, I think, all but one that are hitting goal, and he's close with that last one. And, and so he took a team that was not where it needed to be, turned it around, and he did it in like 18 months. It's ridiculous. And so this story is relevant to every single sales leader for so many reasons. Um, this was someone that was able to help every member of his team intentionally improve, to choose growth, not grind. And as a result, with each member of the team having small improvements consistently, the team completely changed how they performed. And there's an amazing framework here. He started with what he thought about, and that changed to what he did and how he acted. And then that changed how everyone performed. But what really stood out to me was his commitment to being a show-me leader. He didn't tell the members of his team to follow him. He didn't tell them what to do. He showed them. He showed them how to think big. He showed them how to take ownership. You know, his it's on me attitude was absolutely contagious. He showed them how to prospect. He showed them how to call. He showed them how to email. He showed them how to find problems and how to connect with them. He showed them how to connect and how to ask questions and how to demo and how to follow up. All of it. He showed them clearly what good looks like. I love that part of the conversation. And showing, well, that created competency trust really, really fast. He didn't have to, like, just say, trust me. And he didn't have to go or anything. Like, he just did it. He, 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 he didn't, wasn't a big talker. He was a big doer. And then that made it easier to connect, make connection trust. With that competency trust and then that connection trust, then he stayed intentional with his learning and his personal development. And they saw him continue to choose growth. And that gave him incredible credibility as he built an environment that allowed everyone to thrive. This environment made it so a member of his team would buy in and commit to these individual career paths that he helped them make. All because he took a show-me approach, not a tell-me approach. So today, here's the show-me sales leadership. Because there are a ton of big talkers in the sales world. We are surrounded by them. We're surrounded by people that are really amplified and want you to listen to them. There are not near enough big doers. You know, the big doers are people you listen to because of what they've accomplished. And Sam's a big doer. And as a result, every single one of us can improve by taking some of his blueprint and becoming a show-me leader. Someone that does things. Someone that drives their own development. Someone that plays an active role in the, the development of those they lead. So don't let the fact that you might not have had someone invest in you stop you from investing in your own development. Don't let the fact that you had to figure everything out mean that everyone else you lead has to figure it out too. Big doers become legendary for those they do for. And that's exactly what Sam has become to his team. It's legendary. And by the way, he doesn't do the work for him. All the things he shows them, he doesn't show them, he doesn't do it for him. They still got to do the work. He just makes sure it's very clear how. And as a result, they buy in and they want to do that work. So Sam, thank you so much for joining me. I love this episode and I love your insights and your willingness to share them with sales leaders all around the world. Congratulations on your success. The work you and your team, the work you've done, it's turned heads. And I can't wait to see where you and the GCPay team grow from here. Now, if you haven't connected with Sam, be sure to do so. Go back, take notes on this episode. I hope that you feel his commitment to growth, ownership, and team because those are things you'll absolutely benefit if you take his advice and apply those frameworks. There's so many less amazing lessons in this combo with Sam, so be sure to give this one a second uh, listen. Finally, thanks to each of your listeners. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. Many of you have continued to ask how you can support the show, and now you can do it two ways. First is check out Sales Leadership United, because for the cost of lunch, you can make an investment in yourself that will be a game changer. But the easiest way you can support us is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it, and then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. 
The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.